Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. One of the most powerful things you can ever say is, oh God, oh God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need your strength. I need your courage. I need to hear your voice. I need to feel your peace, your presence. I need your reassurance the path I'm on is the correct path. I was certain of it when I heard your voice a month ago, but now circumstances have me questioning whether or not, like, I heard correctly. Did, did God really say, did, did I hear right? Oh God, oh God, I need you to come and remind me of everything you said. One, the most powerful place posture you can take is posture of dependence on God. God's not trying to graduate you from dependence on Him. He's actually trying to graduate you to a greater dependence on Him, where you've actually trusting Him for more help in more areas of your life. Like, you're actually enlarging how much you need his help in. That, that's maturity in the kingdom of God. It's, it's not independence or becoming self-made or somehow weaning yourself off of your need to depend on God's power, God's presence, God's provision. Maturity is you and I coming into a greater dependence on him. I just want you to close your eyes and Imagine your life being larger and larger and yet held together at a greater dimension because your dependence on the God who holds the universe together is capable of holding everything that matters to you together. As a church, as a people, we say, oh God, oh God, I need you. Oh God, oh God, I, I trust you. Oh God, oh God, I depend upon you. I put my weight onto you. And we declare we won't be disappointed. Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. We declare over your people today the encouragement of heaven, the life of God in us to do the things you've intended for us. 
Jesus' name. Let's all give God some praise, some honor. He's a great God. He's amazing. He's faithful. Uh, can we honor our worship team? It's so good to have you. Love you guys. Chris, good to have you in town. Um, high five a couple people. Tell them today is the right day to be in church. And you're in the right church. Tyler Sonata. Where, where is Tyler Sonata? What kind of a communion message was that? That was extraordinary. Um, I love the, I just haven't heard that take on the Jesus' blood has a voice. It, gosh, like, I even feel like it's more than, like, just a whisper. I feel his blood right now has a roar. And, yeah, it's a dominant. The beautiful thing about a lion, and he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, is the lion has a reverberating roar as king. Every animal fears, fears the roar of, of the lion. And I just could hear as you were ministering communion, Tyler, the roar of Jesus' blood over circumstances and things that would like to be unruly. I've discovered that um, life tries to be unruly. And it likes to get into chaos, and it doesn't take long for chaos to become the dominant spirit and anxiety and uncertainty and confusion and cloudiness and a lack of clarity, a lack of certainty. And the kingdom of God is actually being certain of things, being certain of who my God is, being certain of what he said about me, being certain of who I am, you know. And so what I love is when you enforce communion regularly is you remind yourself oftentimes, you remind your circumstances, you remind your body, you remind your finances that you serve a God who's actually the king, who, who actually has a roar. And I like two of the songs we sang this morning had to do with the echo. If you want to echo anything, echo his authority. <laughs> echo the price he paid. Really, really, really what communion is, is it's us Echoing, reinforcing. Oh no, no, no! I don't think you, re I don't think you realize body. I don't think you realize finances. My God has paid a price for me to be certain and secure. So, wow, wow, wow! Yes, very excited. Um, the Burroughs. I heard Sean Burroughs tore it up. Um, him and his beautiful wife Star are in Hawaii. I was excited for him until it was raining this morning. And then there was a part of me that was, like, not as excited that they were in beautiful Hawaii. <laughs> and we're here in this um, rainy north. Actually, to be honest, it was nice to see the rain out there. It's been a little while. It was refreshing. And we were looking at the outlook for the rest of the week. Because there's that part of you when you're up here in the Treasure Valley. And, you know, it's all of a sudden almost October where you don't really get a fall here. You get like a summer and a winter, and then spring is like a week long, and the fall is like a week. I was like nervous that, oh, dear, like here we are. Um, the winter has come. But no, it's not true. We still have a whole week of like 70s next week. And so we're looking forward to an, a long fall, a beautiful fall. Um, 
I want to remind you, though, this is a church where we will raise up many voices. And so the boroughs are one of our greatest leaders, and we're so excited that um, we didn't come to the Treasure Valley to just bring all these San Diego imports and show you how to do church. And No, no, no. We actually came to the Treasure Valley because there's treasure in the Treasure Valley. And we came to be the guide, not the guru, not the one who's like the hero. You're the hero. We're just going to draw out of you all the heroic life that's in you. And, and it's not just preaching on this platform that matters to us. Every platform of the city matters to us. We don't over-celebrate our worship leaders, our preachers, our communion offering guys. Uh, we celebrate changing the city. Some of the most important people in our church won't necessarily preach on a Sunday. Oh, but their life will preach. They will bring an echo and a life into every sphere of culture. Please understand, in the hour we're in, if we're a church that doesn't affect the city, what are we doing here? What are we going to just spend three hours in worship, and, and it's all about us encountering God, really? Can you imagine the early apostles only worshiping God and never leaving the upper room? And I see elements of the church that get caught up in this factor where all they want to do is stay in the upper room. Really? The upper room was designed for you to encounter God and receive power so that you could go into all the world and make a difference, make a mark, make an impact, bring change. You with me? And then you're out in the world and you realize it's kind of dark out there. I better go back into the upper room and encounter God again and reconnect to the source of light and life that I need to accomplish what God sent me to do on the stages of the city. Listen, listen, if you've been in a re religion long enough, the only people that matter are the pastor and the worship team. Really? Really? Are you kidding me? This is why I think God took us so far away from that that we were like, please, Lord, whatever you do, don't ask me to be a pastor. I like business, I like politics, I like sports, I, I like things in the city. I've got passions and dreams and ideas, and you're telling me the kingdom is only limited to like Sunday, like the rest of the week doesn't matter? Really? Really? You mean I, don't, I can't ask for God's help in my business? I, I can't ask for God's help with my cash flow? I can't ask for God's help with my son playing soccer? I can't ask for God's help anywhere else? Like, like the only place I'm asked for, able to ask for God's help is at church to be forgiven again for the same cycle that I keep repeating? Really? Is that it? Come on. There is so much more to the kingdom of God, to the blood of God, to the call of God, to the assignment of God, to your life. Don't get it. Don't get enamored with this pulpit. You get enamored with the call of God on your life. And if you'll find what he built you for, designed you for, oh, you'll spend time with him because you'll realize how much you need him. It's good to be back in church. I think I needed it more than you did. Okay, I got a great word. I can feel the power of God already. Um, I want to talk about 
Uh, we're in a series right now as a church, and in case you don't know, we're brand new here to the Treasure Valley, but we're not brand new to America. We're not brand new to church. We come, Awaken has been around for 18 years, uh, founded in San Diego, and we currently have eight campuses. We're the eighth or seventh, kind of one of them came right around the same time. I think we're the seventh because that's my favorite number, so seventh it is. Um, but it's just important to realize we're a part of something bigger than, than just the Treasure Valley. At the same time, we believe what's happening in the Treasure Valley is very, very critical. You're hearing about the Cherish Conference. Ladies, get ready. Um, it is going to be outrageous. Um, we have the Pathfinders Conference coming up. Now, right now, for the next year, we'll probably be traveling a little bit because we're trying to catch things. We're trying to expose you to things you've never seen before so that we can bring here things that Treasure Valley's never seen before. You with me? That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Um, but we're, as a church, we're in a series called Reborn, being born of the Spirit. We're fascinated with the Holy Spirit. We're in love with the Holy Spirit, enamored with the Holy Spirit, realizing it's the Holy Spirit in us that actually gives us power to live a godly life. There's not enough rules or regulations you could ever follow to turn corruption into vitality and incorruptible seed. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're all about that. So we're talking about being reborn, reborn into the image of God, into the likeness of God, with the power of God and the intention of God. And that's what we're doing as a whole church. And that's what I, what I mean that we're a part of eight campuses. All of us are teaching on some component of being reborn, born again born of the Spirit. And so I want to talk about um, the concept of the great reveal. So I say, grab the word R-E in there and said, reborn, reveal. And I want to kind of talk through what God built you and I for today, use a couple analogies that actually are not pulpit analogies so that we can be empowered and invigorated to actually get up tomorrow with purpose. Okay? Are you ready? So we're going to start in Romans 12, verse 19, the great reveal. And it says that, you know what? Cassidy. I made a mistake. It's Romans 8, 8, 19. Sorry. My fault. You know what I did this morning? Instead of grabbing my iPad, I grabbed Bethany's iPad. I don't know why she doesn't have a pink case on it or a pink sticker, but we both have a black iPad. And I opened it up, and when I got here, I was like, oh, dear. And I like preaching without notes. I, I actually do. Because I, I feel like the word should be in you more than just notes on a paper. It's more than studying. It's, it's like you're sharing who you are and what you see. But me and Cassidy were scrambling, trying to get the scriptures right. Apparently, the first one right out of the gate, Cassidy. I screwed the first one up. Hey! Okay. Give it up for our production team back there, Cassidy, such a hero. For the creation, we wait in eager expectation.
expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The great reveal is actually you. The joy set before Jesus was you. You know, Abraham talked about expectation on seed. Nobody modeled an expectation on seed like the father when he sent his best seed into the earth. Did he just send him to die, to be a sacrifice, or did he have an expectation of an ROI, a return on his investment? Where's your expectation? Your ex- Without an expectation, you may not receive anything from the Lord, for it's actually by faith that you access the promise. He's a rewarder of faith, and so when you sow in faith, you actually reap. So when the Father sowed Jesus, what was he trying to reap? Forgiven people? Or sons and daughters. Do you think he was trying to just forgive the world of its brokenness? Or restore it to its original intent? What engineer doesn't want things to work properly? Yeah, if you design something, you create something, you build something, you engineer something, you imagine something, and then it's dysfunctioning, it's not working properly, guess what? You want to fix it. You don't actually just want to forgive it. You want to restore it. You want it to work again. And so all of creation, the whole universe, every system, every plant, every, everything in creation is longing for you and I to be revealed. It's funny, um, speaking of the great reveal, I remember, have any of us here um, in your family been expecting, like a boy or a girl or, you know, never, no, not yet. Um, you will be. Hallelujah. Um, but has anybody been a part of the process where you find out, I remember um, I came home one day from work and Melissa's like, I got some news. I'm like, what? What is it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what do you need me to fix, babe? Like, you know, what is it? <laughs> She's like, we're expecting. And, and you know what I mean? You're expecting. You find out you're pregnant and something's coming. Something, and then we were waiting around for what? The gender reveal, okay? And, and then I remember, like, that was really cool. And we first found out we were having a little boy, little Josiah. <sighs> um, all creation, including this guy, longed for the revealing of our first son. Our, like, you know, I married into two boys, and I love dearly Taylor and Jacob, um, and then we've, we had um, a Higginbottom. And I was very, very passionate about it and excited for the reveal. And, you know, then we started getting invited to things like gender reveal parties. I'm like, don't invite a dude to a gender reveal party. Just by the way, listen, hey, guys, like if your wife is trying to convince you that your friends want to come to your gender reveal party, just, just step in there and say, babe, babe, no guy wants to show, show up at that. Okay. Well, until, until, until the world started losing its mind and started to determine that there was more than a boy and a girl reveal. Like, you could actually be anything you want. What are you expecting? I don't know. Astronaut. Like, you know, I, like, 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 like the world you're in is so corrupted. This is why all the world eagerly awaits for the sons and daughters of God, because we bring truth, we bring wisdom, we straighten things out that are crooked, we restore things that are broken, we, we fix things that are off. The whole world is off. 
This whole world is, 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 is like lost its mind. Do you think we're here to complain about it? Or are you here to restore it? You're here on this planet to fix things that are broken. Restore things that are corrupt. But if you aren't born of an incorruptible spirit with a voice that's louder than the blood of Abel, and your voice, your blood now runs with his blood, a blood that has authority over everything, all creation's waiting for you to show up on the scene. So let's talk through a couple of different ways that you and I show up on the scene, okay? The first I want to talk through is the greats rebuild things. The greats rebuild. I want to look through the life of Nehemiah. I'm in Nehemiah in my annual Bible reading, which tells you I'm about a month and a half behind. You heard uh, Jake Lehman ministering on Nehemiah. Actually, you know what? I'm right on time. He was just a little ahead of his season. Yeah, it was good back then, but today, I don't know what it is. I feel like today. The, so I'm going to minister uh, a little bit out of the life of Nehemiah, and I, and I want us to pick up, hopefully I got this right, Cassidy, um, out of Nehemiah 2, um, verse 17 through 20. Let's read this together. But now, this is, this is Nehemiah. Um, I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us build, rebuild, rebuild, because the greats rebuild. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Can we read the next one? Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. Remember we were asking, oh God, oh God, I need you. There's an assignment for me to rebuild things. Oh, but there's been some opposition in my way. The God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but he's speaking to those that are trying to oppose them. You'll have no share. No legal right or historical claim in Jerusalem. Um, I think that's it. Thank you, Cassidy. Give it up one more time for Cassidy, keeping me on point. I guess the question, what I love about Nehemiah is he wasn't a priest. He wasn't a Levite. Remember, Ezra was like the Levite or the scribe in that day. He actually was a cupbearer. He was a government employee. He worked for King Xerxes, okay, and he was very faithful, but he had a passion. He was one of the people that was taken out of Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, 
Okay, so he's serving in an ungodly culture, but he still has an appetite to restore what God had originally built. He has a heart for God, hearts for the city of God, and he longs to see God's city, God's name, God's reputation be restored. And he's bothered, he's irritated that the walls of Jerusalem lie in ruins and have become a disgrace. And I tell you, when you start to see Christianity or the family or education or any sphere of culture start to fall into ruin, it's not enough for you to just sit in your posh little position and be a cupbearer for the king and yet just disregard the burning passion within you to go do something about it. What makes Nehemiah great is before he became governor, he was faithful to say to the king, I, I can't stay here in this place of comfort, even though my needs are met. My people, my God, my city lies in ruins. It's become a disgrace. I cannot exchange comfort for me for a disgrace in my city. Therefore, I need to put my hand up and ask you to send me so that I can go and rebuild because the greats rebuild. I need you to send me so that I can rebuild. What I love about Nehemiah is while he was serving the king in Babylon, he must have had a good reputation. I know this. We have 50 people that work at Sustainable around that right now. And what happens is when you have good people that work for you, you actually take on their cause. The things they care about, you start to care about. The things they long for. So don't ever underestimate the importance of doing a great job where you are, even if it might not be your high calling. I think you're, some of us are waiting, once I get into the thing that I was built for, then I'll start being faithful. If you don't start being faithful right now doing something you're not all that passionate about, you may never ever be trusted doing something that you're passionate about. It might actually be your faithfulness in a season being a cupbearer for an ungodly man or woman that for a season you serve them and then God is watching you. Do something you don't even want to do, but you're doing it well. You're doing it with integrity. You're doing it because you know who's watching you. Don't underestimate the eyes of the Lord that can see you wherever you are, that can watch you be faithful. When other people are overlooking you, they don't see you, they don't recognize you, they don't understand what you're doing. Oh, God sees. In fact, sometimes it's so important that you have a, I God's, a God sees me. God needs to see me. Because I feel unseen or I feel like where I'm at right now isn't where I thought I was going to be. So therefore I have to keep reorienting my heart that God is the rewarder of my life, my faith, my faithfulness. With me. But are you willing to leave comfort for assignment? What is the kingdom anyway? Is it comfort? I think a lot of times... We determine the blessing of the Lord is, I got this secure job or this secure situation, when oftentimes the blessing of the Lord is, he puts a burning desire in your heart to change something that's become a disgrace, and you just can't sleep at night anymore. Eventually, Nehemiah shows up to the king, and he's like, king's like, what's wrong with you? Something's off. Are you sick? You're not sick. What's wrong? And because he'd earned the trust of the king by being faithful for seasons... He was able to take a risk, and he was nervous. He was nervous to bring before his authority something that was burning in his heart. But he did, and guess what? The Babylonian king sent him to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. 
Well, my question to you is, um, if Nehemiah, who became governor, by the way, was used by God, needed God's help, was a catalyst to restore the things that were in God's heart, was a catalyst to rebuild, depended on God as much as any priest or preacher has ever depended on God. In fact, in fact, I got a little secret for you. If you'll just venture your toe out into the real world, you'll start to see God can show up in a big way. If your only dependence on God is, I need a word for connect group, or I came to men's prayer, which we highly recommend, but we actually want you to leave men's prayer with mission, with passion, with assignment. My question to you, though, is Nehemiah found his assignment. It was to go rebuild walls. It was to step into the political sphere, the political sphere. The church has done such a great job highlighting Chris, who's just got this golden voice. And as, as, you know, and I wish, God, couldn't you give me a voice like Chris? Because the only thing you bless is, is worship and preaching. Oh, really? No, 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 no. We're in an hour where God's actually looking for the political voice. Morgan. Morgan. Looking for your voice. Your distinct voice that carries with it a radical echo. But yet when you're around religion enough, you start to you start to move towards platforms that look like what God's on. And certainly he's on worship and we will build a platform of crazy worship. Worship will be a core value here. But you know what else is a core value? Changing this city. Right now, George Soros paid for our mayor in Boise, paid for her. She has paid for, she's bought, wants to bring Portland to Boise. Have you been to Portland recently? It's the one place you don't want to go. People are moving out of Portland because it's broken. It's in disrepair. It's, it's a disgrace. And yet we are so asleep at the wheel, like thinking, oh, I moved to Boise because it's safe and secure. It's only going to be safe and secure is if you find your voice and your assignment and you disengage from comfort and you realize you're on this planet to do something. Yeah, but I don't like Trump. Really? So you don't like a personality is what you're saying. Even though no one has appointed more conservative justices in this nation, in the history of this nation, no one has fought. I don't, yeah, I know, but, you know, he's just not perfect. Oh, really? Have you found a perfect candidate? I, I'm saying, as, as, as people in Boise, you almost feel like I don't have to get involved. I'm, you know what, I'm just going to go back to church and worship in my corner for freaking five hours. And I'm never going to leave, like, the, the, the church, the sanctuary, and engage where, where I'm supposed to be a light. Really? Okay. What's your assignment? What is it? That's why we like pathfinders around here. We like politicians. We like politics. We like to fight. We like, if you're not feeling any opposition, I'm concerned for you. If you don't have anybody that doesn't like what you're doing, I'm kind of concerned. If you don't have any persecution in your world, in the world we live in, the woke world, if you don't have any persecution, I'm nervous for you. If you're just going along with the flow, 
and, and, and you're okay with there being more than two genders? Like, like I, I, I just don't, I'm not going to get in anybody else's business. Really? You're going to let our children grow up with massive confusion and big-time identity issues because you don't want to get involved, because you don't want to risk your comfort. Really? Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You're just going to love people while they wander off the cliff. What, really? If you're a Christian, you have a responsibility to love people by speaking truth and fighting for truth. You have to. You have to. You have to. We will be a church that will put a fight in you, and we will not allow you to stay comfortable here. We won't. We won't. And if that's your definition of Christianity, you have the wrong definition. Okay. I know you want Sean back. I know. Sometimes I want Sean back too. (laughs) We came here to awaken an army. We came here to awaken the person in you that's supposed to fight for something, not fall for anything. Not just see how long I can survive here. Next, the greats remove. I love having different ministers like Abraham and Tyler because you get to see how God works, works his way into the message, into the Sunday. So get this. We're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 17, talking about David. Almost right where you, what are you doing in my notes, Abraham? It's my private place, man. Like, it's because you weren't on the same Bible plan as uh, Jake, huh? You and I. All right, we'll get him there. Get him there. It's the rule follower, just following all the rules, right on schedule, right on time. Oh, yeah. Just like my wife, Melissa. She's, she's bothered that I'm a month and a half behind. Anybody here like more like Jake and my wife, Melissa? Like, come on now, let's stick to the plan. Anybody here, as soon as a plan is set, you're off it within like three days? Oh, yeah, okay. All right, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. You're all right. We're all, we're all right. You know why? Because we want you to be you. We want you to, to master and optimize the authentic you. As much as we love and need Jake Lehman, we can't have everybody just like Jake and Isabel. We need a Kenny. We need a Tyler. We need a Spencer. We need an Andrew. Walking around Albertsons, believing God for a job. Gets 30% more than what he originally was offered. He's like, I don't know this prayer thing. It's kind of new to me. I came out of religion where you just, whatever happened was God's will. And I'm starting to realize that actually I, my voice, can determine, can frame my world. So I know this feels a little different, feels a little awkward, but I want this job. I've wanted this job for so long. I'm just going to try walking around the Albertsons. Creepy stalker Andrew out there. This prayer language thing's a little different for me. I, I didn't grow up understanding that the prayer language was for power. It was, it was so that I could pray perfectly. And I don't even know how to ask for something. Can I even ask for a job at Albertsons? Can I, is that even something I'm allowed to ask for? Oh, you better believe it. If that's what's in your heart and that's what God assigned you and he's put a brilliant mind in you and he wants you, 
So here he is. Got the job! Got the job! Got the job! Got the job! Oh, no, but religious people. Here's religious people. I think God wants to teach you a lesson by not giving you the job. Must not have been God's will. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, you just didn't fight. You just didn't walk around the promise. You let the blood of Abel be louder than Jesus' blood. You let the stuff in your life dictate what your life was going to look like instead of finding the voice of God and beginning to surround your situation with the promise of God and then seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living. Thank you, Andrew, for modeling this. Thank you. What I like about you, Andrew, is your mother-in-law likes you. She's always boasting about you. She's got a strong-willed daughter that's not used to meeting her match. I have a feeling you're going to need to really learn to pray in the Spirit (laughs) to lead that family. Okay, let's keep moving here. We're almost done. You need to catch this. You need to catch this. The greats remove things. The greats don't tolerate things. And remember Goliath, 40 days and 40 nights, the rhetoric of the day, coming out and boasting, saying, you, you know, this is our land. Bring me a man that will fight me. And let's bring it up. This, this is what David says. This is 1 Samuel 17, verse 26 through 28. Then David said to the men who were standing by him, I just put Abraham's scripture up here for him. So, yeah. Um, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and rids Israel of this? Isn't that what Nehemiah said? The walls in disrepair have left the reputation of God's people in a disgrace. Isn't that interesting that David saw the same issue? Different assignment, wasn't governor. He was a military man. He was a fighter. He wasn't just a harp player. He didn't even like the harp, I don't think. Mom probably made him do it. You know what I mean? He's like, I like killing stuff. Give me that slingshot. Let me get out the, let me get out the slingshot practice. After you get your harp work in, oh my gosh, Mom. But interesting, it's the same spirit that came on Nehemiah, he was bothered irritated when things were off the original intent. And he realized, I'm born, reborn, to carry the nature of God to fix the things that are broken in culture. Same with David. It's the same spirit, by the way, that's on them that you and I have access to. In fact, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come on you. But in the New Testament, the Spirit of God is in you, rivers of living waters coming out of you so that you can care about the things that are broken. There is a lot of things that are disgraceful right now. You know what they're waiting for? The sons and daughters of God to be revealed, the great reveal. They're ready. They're waiting for the great reveal. They're waiting for you. So he says, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he's dared to defy the armies 
of the living God. The people answered him in agreement with this statement saying, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Let's keep going. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard him when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, why is it you've come down here? Doesn't that sound familiar? Isn't that just like almost exactly what Nehemiah just went through? Gosh, all I did is say yes to the call of God. Why is somebody so irritated? Why is somebody who's an atheist so irritated that I believe in God? Why, does, why, is, why is someone so passionate about removing everything that I stand for? If you don't, why do you even care? If there's no purpose in it, who cares? Because there is a purpose. It's an enemy. It's an enemy of truth. It's an enemy of righteousness. Okay. Why is it that you've come down and with, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness. I myself know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? This is my assignment. I'm supposed to take things down, remove things that are a disgrace to my family line, to my city, to my nation. I'm the person who breaks the cycle of poverty. I'm the person who breaks the cycle of early deaths in my family. I'm the person who breaks the cycle of rejection. I'm the person who addresses the things that have crippled my family lineage. I'm the person who breaks the disgrace off of my lineage. Is there enough power to fix America? Or should we just throw in the towel? Oh, but religious people, they love throwing in the towel in the name of it's spiritual. Well, these are dark days, brother. It's just the Antichrist. He's, you know, I read a Left Behind series, and, and I've become an expert on end times, and, and this is just the way it is. This is why we need Jesus to come back and rapture us, rescue us, because I don't want to take responsibility for my generation and see the goodness of God in my generation. And so therefore, I need a bailout plan. I need a rescue. You know what? I've grown dependent on the government. I need now, I need God to be like, just like the government and come and rescue me. Even though he put his nature in you and actually wants you to look like him to break cycles and break systems, but you've learned to depend on systems and now you're stuck in a cycle. And God wants to remove things that are disgraceful. <laughs> All right. Last thing. Last thing. Are you ready? You got to find what you're supposed to build. You got to find what you're supposed to fight, what you're supposed to remove. You will never be a great if you don't have a great fight. You'll never be a great if you don't have a great cause. Never. You'll never be great and be greatly comfortable. In fact, the enemy of great is actually not the devil. You know what the enemy of greats are? You guessed it, comfort. So if your definition of Christianity is comfort and all of your beliefs and prayers are around your comfort and your protection, you're not going to be very great. The world needs great people. Revealed the great children of God. Last thing, the greats reestablish joy. 
read two scriptures and we're going to be done here. Nehemiah 8, 9, and 10. You want to know who said, the joy of the Lord will be my strength? Do you want to know? Any guesses? Happened to be somebody who was on an assignment to rebuild something. Who needed strength. Remember, all the way back to the beginning, right after worship. Oh God, oh God, I need you. Oh God, oh God, I've got enemies that are trying to keep me from the work you've given me to do. So here's Nehemiah. Let's go back to it. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Morgan, who was the political person who found the call of God, the power of God, the voice of God for her political assignment, okay? Yeah, you can lead worship too. You're brilliant. But, but come on, like, come on, like, you with me? Find your assignment. Do that. Quit trying to be religious. Be kingdom. Be impactful. Change the world. Light it up. Who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, this is the day, this day is holy to the Lord your God, and do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. And, and listen. When you're in an hour like this, it's good that you're cut to the heart and you realize, holy cow, I've been living in a bubble. I've been self-oriented and living for my own comfort and trying to tolerate wickedness just long as long as, long as my needs are met, my bills are paid. I'm not going to put up a fight, okay? So there, you should come to a place where it's like kind of stabs you in the heart, like, dang, like, whoa, whoa, you know, the smelling salts. Whoa, okay, dang, there is an enemy. That guy's swinging at me. Shoot. But, wait, 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 sorry. Cassidy, you're on fire. You're on fire. Bring it back. Um, do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. Keep going. Give us one more. Ten. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. Send portions of those for whom nothing is prepared. For this is the day. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow for what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. The greats reestablish joy as your strength. Hear me, hear, hear me, hear me, hear me. This is how you reestablish joy. Joy isn't just laughing, although you should be in environments where you laugh your butt off. When's the last time you laughed? I hope you laugh in church. We actually intend for church to be fun, to be alive. We're going to say things that you're going to wonder, can you say that in church? We will say that. We will say that. You will laugh here. If you have a hard time laughing, you, then you're religious. You have a hard time with joy and everything needs to be serious all the time. Got to go to another prayer meeting. I like prayer meetings. As long as they leave me strengthened. So get this, get this. The kingdom of God is not rules and regulations, eating and drinking. Okay? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. You will never have righteousness if you don't rebuild things. You will never have peace if you do not remove things. Oh, yeah, yeah, you think peace is getting along? No, peace is enforcing a greater covenant and addressing things that are contrary to truth. And you'll never have joy if you don't realize that God came to be the strength of your life by bringing joy. Joy is the religion breaker. The Treasure Valley has plenty of religion. Jesus didn't die for you to have another religion. He came that you would be filled with his spirit, a spirit of joy to get the work done, the assignment done. 
Have you ever felt better than working hard, putting a full day in, like giving your all, fighting a battle, taking a risk? That's where it is. All right, let's stand on our feet. We're going to wrap this up. We actually, we need to wrap this up because our youth are having a quick connect. Sean Burroughs, you had to come here and end the service right on time. And flipping A. And then you leave for Hawaii. Let's pray. Father God, repeat after me. Father God, I realize I'm the one you want to reveal to the world. You want your son, your spirit in me so the world can know you. I allow you to fill me with the spirit of a holy God, a mighty God, the spirit of your son and the Holy Spirit so that I can be great for others, for you. I want to repair things. I want to rebuild things. And I want to reestablish joy because things are right. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.